Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Anna. What you're about to hear is an episode from 2016 with musician Lucinda Williams. I love this conversation. It feels like we're all just sitting together in her yard listening, here for whatever songs and stories she feels like sharing. And there are some pretty good ones. Lucinda lays it all bare. She's funny and real. And I hope you love hearing from her as much as I did. Who was it that Katherine Hepburn or Betty Davis or Lauren McCall, one of them said, you know, at my age, I can say and do whatever the hell I want to say or do. Or Is that how you feel now? Pretty much, yeah. This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. I'm Anna Sale. This Lucinda Williams song, Am I Too Blue, is from her self-titled album, which came out in 1988. It's one of my favorites of all time. It's tough, sexy, and refuses to gloss over the pain of loss. Lucinda's in her 60s now, but all her life she's been writing songs about death, sex, and money. Or at least death and sex. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have any songs about money? Let's see. I feel like... Yeah, there are a couple of lines here and there. There's a line in Buttercup that says, and now you want to borrow... You rough me up, and now you want to borrow money, or something like that. You already sucked me dry. Don't do it anymore, honey. You rough me up and made me cry. Who's that about? This ex-boyfriend. Uh-huh. You know, he was he was in a sober living house when I met him, and I thought, this this will be cool. This guy will be cool. No. So he moved out, moved in with me, and started drinking again. Then, unbeknownst to me, he started messing around with heroin. So to make a long story short, I became... I know what it's like to be a battered woman. Let's put it that way. And it was like looking at him, like his eyes, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to die. You know, this must be how it feels. So now I understand. You always think, oh, why don't they just leave? And Why didn't you just leave? Because, you know, you kind of go into this numb state. It's kind of like a kid does when a kid is growing up in a dysfunctional family like when the parents are fighting or whatever, you know, and the kid kind of goes into that sort of, like, protective mode of, you know, getting real quiet and going and hiding in the closet, you know. And I know I know what that's like, too. Um, you know, you get in these relationships and you get stuck. Yeah. Well, we just dove right into it there. We got right into it. <laughs> <laughs> in my, yeah, 
my my publicist is sitting out here with this bewildered look on his face, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this, Lou. <laughs> this is how my conversation with Lucinda Williams started. She was in Nashville. I was in New York, so we couldn't see each other. But she didn't flinch from the broken and messy moments of life. I've always enjoyed pushing people's buttons, you know. I don't think I have any filters left anymore. The title track of her 2016 album is a song called Ghosts of Highway 20. It's named for the interstate that runs from Texas to South Carolina, cutting through Louisiana, where Lucinda's from. I know this road, like the back of my hair. Same with the stations, only FM band. Farms and truck stops, fireworks stands. I know this road, like the back of my hair. Lucinda was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Her father, Miller Williams, was a noted Southern poet. Her mother, Lucille, studied piano at Louisiana State. The family traveled around a lot for Lucinda's dad's work as he took different fellowships and teaching positions to places like Chile and Mexico, but they always circled back to the American South. Lucinda's the oldest of three kids, but she remembers feeling pretty solitary growing up. I always felt different. You know, and um, just kind of more, I think I had a little, well, a lot of it had to do with all the traveling we did. Were you lonely when you were growing up? Was I lonely? Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember feeling, no, because I just, I love, I could escape into my, you know, artistic world. Hmm. I was extremely shy. When I was a kid, and very sensitive, you know, as soon as I learned to read and write, I was, I had, I put this, this notebook together of seven poems and a short story by Cindy Williams. Lucinda's my full name, but I was called Cindy when I was growing up. My dad remembered when I was in first grade, I think it was first grade or second grade, this was in Macon, Georgia, and, you know, the kids... In my class, we're asked to bring in a sample of, you know, their ho- whatever their hobby was. And I brought in my, my folder, you know, my notebook folder thing, seven points in a short story. Oh. <laughs> and there it sat next to all the other, you know, rock collections <laughs> and whatever else the kids brought in. Lucinda was about nine or ten. Her parents split up. Her mom moved out of the house. We lived with my dad. That's the thing. In 1960-something, I mean, when your parents split up, you didn't move in with your dad. Yeah. My mother moved out. You know, my dad helped her get a place. You know, that's all just kind of a big blur. Um, I don't remember exactly when, you know, they separated there's a picture of us with my stepmother that same year, you know, but then there's also a picture of my stepmother and my mother, you know, in the same room. So it it was all very kind of, 
unusual. You know, my mother, she was diagnosed with technically paranoid schizophrenic tendencies and manic depression. I think that's what it was. So she was always in therapy. I mean, from the time, probably since pretty close to after the time I was born, she was in and out of mental hospitals. Did you understand when you were a girl that your mother was sick? Yes, because my dad was actually quite protective of her. And he would say, it's not her fault. She's not well, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you know, because all kids have, when you don't get that nurturing, maternal nurturing, that that's kind of, one of the, sort of what defines, you know, how you're going to relate and deal with the world for the rest of your life. So I don't blame my dad for that's how he dealt with it. There's a part of that that's healthy. The only problem is that I was never, you know, sort of given permission or never gave myself permission to, you know, be angry at my mother. So that's all in there somewhere. See how much I know about therapy? <laughs> this is because my mother because my mother was in therapy all my life. And, you know, she would talk about Carl Jung. I mean, she read all the books. She had them all. You know, the, the paperbacks from I'm okay, you're okay. I've got them all now. Lucinda's commercial breakthrough was this song, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. It came out when she was 45. It was her first gold album, and the title track describes a little girl trying to make sense of the world around her. Child in the backseat, about four or five years, looking out the window. A lot of the time, Lucinda was in that car with her dad. These were the years, you know, when my mother wasn't well, when she wasn't having a good day or something, you know, he would take us with him somewhere, you know, on a drive or something. He took me with him when he went to visit Flannery O'Connor when I was about four or five or something. Flannery O'Connor was, he described her as his greatest teacher. And so she was kind of a mentor. So she she invited him to her house in Milledgeville, Georgia. When we got there... Was it just you and him? I think it was just, yeah, I think it was just me. And when we got there, we had to wait on the front porch because Flannery was riding. She had a very strict riding schedule. And, you know, she would not receive guests as they used to say. So then finally, you know, she came out and greeted us and everything. And she raised peacocks. (laughs) Really? They were running around all over the place. Yeah, my dad, I don't, I very, I vaguely recall this because I was probably about four. Uh, But he says, you know, that I was chasing her peacocks and apparently I got a big thrill out of that. 
I'd say that's pretty exciting to get to chase Flannery O'Connor's peacocks yeah. around the yard. <laughs> <laughs> I grabbed onto her work when I was probably about 15 or 16, you know, because she deals with a lot of madness and people who don't fit into society and, you know, just read everything I could get my hands on. Who do you remember being your allies when you were a young teenager, when you're 12, 13, 14? Uh, my dad. I mean, I was really close. You know, he saved me, really, because we formed this really, really close bond. That lasted throughout her life. After Lucinda started playing guitar, she and her dad became an act of sorts. At parties, we would have other writers and around and you know, sitting and drinking and talking and, you know, I would go get my guitar and, you know, play some songs. And I'd say, Dad, tell us, tell everybody about the time you met Hank Williams. And I would sit and play softly in the background that hymn farther along, you know. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder. This was at a certain point in the evening, you know, when everybody had a few drinks and my dad would sort of start testifying, you know, like a Methodist minister. Well, let me tell you about the time I met Hank Williams, you know. <laughs> the story goes, Lucinda's dad met Hank Williams at one of his concerts, not long before Lucinda was born. They went to a bar afterwards, and Hank asked my dad what he wanted to drink, and my dad said something like bourbon and water or something. And, and Hank said... Williams, you ought to be drinking beer because you got a beer-drinking soul. That's so, a cool thing to be told by Hank Williams. Yeah. <laughs> so they, you know, he could see, because my dad was the poet and all that, you know. Yeah. Wearing the the jacket with the leather elbow patches, you know. and But he was, you know, underneath all that, he was an Arkansas country boy, you know, and, and Hank you know, saw that in my dad. And my dad used to love to tell that story. Coming up, Lucinda tells the story of saying goodbye to her dad on New Year's Day last year. He died on the same day Hank Williams died. We need your help. We are re-upping our Spotify Anthems of Change playlist. On last week's episode, we asked you to share the songs that you'd leaned on when you were going through life changes or growing pains to build on a playlist that we first started with you in 2016. It needs some updates. Anna from Henderson, North Carolina, sent us the cult song by Shannon and the Clams. Anna said, I'm not in the process of leaving a cult, but in a transitional period in grad school and my career. To me, this song feels like a celebration and an assertion of carving my own way in a world that doesn't always support growth and change. 
And Francine told us, I'm moving to Vienna, so I've been listening to the Billy Joel song a lot. Not only because of the location, but the message of the song. I'm about to turn 30, and I feel like I haven't done enough. And this song is speaking about that, too. Slow down, you crazy child. You're so ambitious for a juvenile. But then if you're so smart, tell me, why are you still so afraid? And Lauren told us this song by the Scottish musician Jerry Cinnamon kept her company in the pandemic. She said, I can remember walking the streets of Boston during a late snow flurry in 2020, listening to it on repeat and having a cathartic cry. The soundtrack to my wedding postponement and many other difficult pandemic-related moments. Go on about the body, about the bonfire big and high. A fire so big that the flames light up the sky. Believe about your body, God, it never unless you try. One life is a short time and no one knows where you go when you die. So email us and let us know what songs are currently getting you through a life transition. You can send them to us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org, and we'll add them to the playlist. It doesn't have to be a new song. It could be an old one you're hearing in a new way. You can check out our full Anthems of Change Spotify playlist. There's a link in the show notes. Or just search for Death, Sex, and Money Anthems in Spotify. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sayo. Lucinda Williams' mother died in 2004. Her father, Miller Williams, died about 10 years later, at the very beginning of 2015. But Lucinda knew she was losing him before that, from Alzheimer's. i tell you what, the, uh, the moment that I really, that shook me, you know, we were sitting and having wine and relaxing in the late afternoon in the sunroom. And I was sitting next to my dad, and I forget how the subject came up, but he said in a real calm, straightforward voice, I can't write poetry anymore. Hmm. And I said, what? And he said, I can't write poetry anymore. And I just, I just lost it. Yeah. Just like I'm doing right now. So that, oh, I just sat there and just cried. And that was, you know, that was really the, that was when I lost him. It was just so intense because I was part of who he was, you know. I mean, that was his whole identity. And it's it's kind of, it's stunning that he was able to, to recognize that and to say that. Yeah. Like, it's not something you noticed. It was something he was letting go of. Exactly. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have known otherwise. 
Did you feel like that was him trying to say goodbye to you? Pro- maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. And then the last the last time I saw him was in August. My album had just come out not too long before that, and I'd taken one of his poem called Compassion and, and turned it into a song. Um, my stepmother, Jordan, arranged to have a, for me to play just by myself at the house, have a little, you know, house concert. I wrote this song from Dad's poem called Compassion. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> My dad read, he was still able to read a poem, you know. So we have him on film, you know, reading his poem, Compassion, and the me singing the song. Have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems conceit, bad manners, or cynicism is always a sign of things no ears have heard, no eyes have seen. You do not know what wars are going on down there where the spirit meets the bone. Have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems to see is always a sign, always a sign, always a sign. For those you encounter, have compassion, even if they don't want it. What seems bad manners is always a sign, always a sign, always a sign. Has there been anything about mourning your parents that surprised you? Um... I don't know. I feel like I haven't really, like, it seems like I, I mean, the grieving process is so strange because with my dad, it was so different because he and I had such a different relationship than I did with my mother. But her death was a complete surprise and shock. She had gone in the hospital and, you know, we, it, with what seemed like just a routine thing. It seems like I cried more when my mother died. We, I just didn't, you know, we didn't. There were a lot of things I didn't get to say. All I can say is it's just, I don't like the aging process. I don't like getting older because of all the loss. You know, it just gets harder and harder. We gotta stand right by each other, gotta try harder, baby. I gotta stand right by you, and you gotta stand right by me. We gotta stand right by each other, gotta try harder, baby. I gotta stand right by you, and you gotta stand right by me. I gotta push myself, but you gotta push yourself. I can't do it, baby. One new thing that's come into Lucinda's life in the last few years is her marriage. 
She got married at age 56 to her manager, Tom Overby, on stage during an encore in Minneapolis. Tom, I give you this ring as a symbol of my vow. Tom, I give you this ring as a symbol of my vow. With all that I am and all that I have. With all that I am and all that I have. I honor you. I honor you. Has losing your parents, do you feel like that's affected your marriage? Are you feeling it in your marriage? I thank God every day that I have Tom. He lost his dad right before mine. His dad had a form of dementia also. And when his dad died, you know, his parents were Catholic. His mother was very, you know, I envied her faith, hmm. all of the rituals and everything, you know, the caskets there at the, at the cemetery, and the priest has the vial of holy water and hands it to each one of the family members, you know, and you sprinkle it over the casket. And I used to think, oh, you know, that's none of that's necessary, you know, just dig a hole in the ground or whatever. But I really felt there was just something really precious about it. Yeah. You know, and because his mother was so, you could tell, she just believed and she was so genuine. I mean, I remember sitting there and Tom's mother, everyone else was sitting and she walked up by herself and walked up to the, to Tom's dad laying there and, you know, and spoke to him. And I just, I cried then. That's when I, I just cried like a baby. That was one of the most moving things I've ever seen. And basically she was saying, I'll be there, save a place for me. And, you know, she meant it. Someone told me there's a better place talked about death, but we didn't talk about sex or money. But, I know. Okay. I, have, I have some questions. I know. <laughs> How do you think about sex at this point in your life? God. I tell you what, it's a drag getting older. I just, I said that before and I'll say it again. I don't care what, everybody says, oh, it gets better. Crap. No. <laughs> it fucking sucks. You know what? Everything dries up. It all dries up. So I'm just like, fuck it. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah, well, I appreciate your honesty. Often when I ask... I I can't believe I just said this on the (laughs) fucking radio. (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing sacred anymore. (laughs) I'm like, who do I think I am? You know, uh, Tina Fey? You know... (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) How unromantic. Do you expect to make more money this year than last year? Hell yes. Hell yes? Oh, God, yes. 
Why do yeah. you say it that way? It's taken over the sex. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Because I'm getting, I'm just more successful. It's amazing. I'm definitely an anomaly. I'm 62 years old, out on the road, selling out shows. So, you know, that's some consolation, I guess, to having to deal with this fucking age thing. That is Lucinda Williams. We first put out this episode in 2016. Since then, she's kept putting out new music. Her most recent album is called Good Souls, Better Angels, and it received two Grammy nominations. After that release, in November 2020, Lucinda had a stroke. She's been working since to recover. She told Rolling Stone, I'm singing my ass off, so that hasn't been affected. Can't keep me down for too long. Lucinda is now 69 years old, and she is on the road touring. You can see her live. All those dates are on her website at lucindawilliams.com. And you can find a list of all of her songs that played in this episode at deathsexmoney.org. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. This episode was produced by me and Katie Bishop with help from Chester Jesus Soria, Emily Botine, Hannah McCarthy, and Andrew Dunn. Our team now is Liliana Maria Percy Ruiz, Afi Yellow Duke, Zoe Azule, Lindsay Foster Thomas, and Andrew Dunn. Our intern is Lily Clark. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Instagram at AnnaSalePix, that's P I C S, and the show is at Death Sex Money on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you to Benjamin Humans in Cambridge, Massachusetts for being a sustaining member of Death, Sex, and Money and supporting us with a monthly donation. You can join Benjamin and support what we do here by going to deathsexmoney.org slash donate. This is the most open. It sort of reminds you of the Mark Maron. And this had just now gone one step further. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe he didn't get to menopause. Yeah, we ne- covered exactly. menopause. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about menopause. <laughs> I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. WNYC.